I'm excited about today. Hey, the Braves, if you're a Braves fan, a baseball fan, I heard the Braves clinched the division. That's a big deal. It's always fun when the local team. Could this year be the year that a Georgia team actually goes all the way and wins a championship? What do y'all think? Could the Braves do it? We believe. Maybe we'll put that on the prayer list for the church. Are we going to pray for the Braves? I just I don't know that God really cares about whether or not the Braves win. I know sometimes I don't care, but I'm excited that they're winning, though. So glad that you guys are here, though, today. We are in week two of an awesome series. How many of you guys were here last week in service? It was an awesome time. We had a great move of God in the service and kicked this series off. I believe that God is doing a special work in our church through this season bringing us closer together, getting us back to the basics of what church is supposed to be about. And I think that's a good thing. Amen? Fundamentals are important. I think sometimes we can get so complicated with stuff, we overcomplicate things. God's desire, I believe, and how he laid things out, I think it's just simple. Love him, and out of that love for him and him loving on us, that we turn around and we love all and we serve all. And watch him impact lives. And that's the theme for this series that we're in is love all, serve all. Because when Jesus was talking, he instructed us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all of our strength. And to love our neighbor as what? Ourselves. Love our neighbor as ourselves. And he said that the greatest among us would be a servant to who? All. The greatest among us would be a servant to all. And I believe that as we love and as we serve, God can move through us as a church to impact the community that we're in. Because that's what Jesus did. When Jesus came into interaction with other people, he loved them, he met a need, and impacted their lives. Like clockwork every time. Showed them love, met a need, and impacted their lives. And I believe that as a church and as individuals, if we love people, if we meet needs and serve them, we can see God impact lives through the love that we show. Amen? So we've got a lot of stuff on the docket for today. I'm excited about today. I'm so excited about this message. But before we get too far into it, let's pray and let's believe for God to do something powerful in the service today. Father, I thank you so much for who you are in our lives. I thank you for what you're doing in this church. Lord, I just ask that you be with us today. Speak to us. Move powerfully in this service. Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that, you, that they see your love and what's done here today. Lord, I pray that you remind us all today as a church that when it's all said and done, everything that happens and everything that's done in this, this thing called the church that we're a part of, it's not really about us. It's about who we can reach for the kingdom of God and whose lives we can see impacted by what you do in and through us. We give you glory and we give you praise for an awesome day today. In Jesus' name, amen. It was a rainy night, if you'll go with me in your minds. A couple had just been married. It was a great ceremony. And they were leaving the reception, taking a short drive to the place where they'd be spending their honeymoon. The roads were slick and the roads were wet. Husband's driving the car with his new bride in the passenger seat. He came up behind a vehicle that was moving just a little bit too slow. He was in a hurry to get to the honeymoon. So he thought, I'll just pass him. 
So he pulled into the next lane, shot out around the vehicle, but what he didn't see was another car coming head on into him. So he swerved to miss the other vehicle, and in the process lost control of the car, and it spun and ran off the road in a ditch and flipped two or three times, knocked them both unconscious. The husband woke up a couple of minutes later, realized what had happened, and he looked over and he saw his new bride unconscious and bleeding, and he knew that she was injured really bad. And he knew that if he didn't get her medical help quickly, she was going to die. So he did his best to get free. He ripped open the door, got his bride out of the car, and literally started carrying her down the road in the rain while she was bleeding, looking for somebody that could give him some kind of help. And in the distance, he saw a sign. And it said, Offices of John Smith, Medical Doctor. How awesome is this that in the middle of a bad accident my wife needs help? There, right there in front of us is a medical office where I can take my wife and she can get the help that she needs. So he carried her through the rain, up the hill, to the building, and knocked on the door. Beat on the door. And just beat on the door until somebody came to the door. And he said, can you help us? We were just in a wreck. My wife is bleeding. She needs, she needs attention now. If she doesn't get help now, she's going to bleed out and she's going to die. And the old man looked back at him, and he said, Sir, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know I've got the sign up there, but I don't practice medicine anymore. There's nothing I can do to help you. You're going to have to take her somewhere else. I don't even know that I could do what you need me to do. I don't really have the tools here. I don't know that I have the skills anymore to help you. You're going to have to go somewhere else. The guy's holding his wife, bleeding. He said, please, is there anything you can do? And the old man said, nah, I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do. And the husband got mad and he said, listen, you're going to have to do something. Either you are going to give my wife the care that she needs, or you're going to have to take down that sign you've got over your building. Don't have a sign over your building that says you can give medical care and then when I show up and I need it, you're not willing to give it to me. And you don't have what it takes and you don't have the tools or the skills to help me in my time of need. So either get busy doing what you say you are and what you say you can do or take down that sign. Now I'm here to tell you, church, there are people all over the world that are hurting, that are in need, that need the love of God, and they are looking to us as a church to do what we've got on the sign that says that we can do. They're bringing the lost, they're bringing the hurting, they're bringing the broken, and they're saying, can you help me? Can you give me what I need? What is this Jesus stuff you guys are talking about? And we as a church can never be in a place where we have a sign over our heads, but we're not ready to give people the care that they need when they show up looking for the answers that we say that we have. So we either need to take down the sign or we need to get busy doing what we're supposed to be doing. Amen? Amen? And I believe that God has called his church to not just have a sign, 
not just be the light, not just be the salt of the earth, but to get out there and do more than just in theory have the answers, but to give society and give the world the answers that they need for the problems that they have. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He's the answer for every problem. If you're going to clap, clap like you mean it. Clap like you mean it. He's the answer for every problem that we have. And we can never be in a place, not just in a church, where we have a sign and deny people needs, but individually, the Bible says that we are the church. So individually, we can't have a sign up over our lives saying that we serve God and that we love God. But when people come to us and people need help, we're not ready or willing to step out and do what's needed to give people the care that they need. We've got to be ready to step up and do it. Amen? Now, that sounds great in theory, but here's what I know, is that sometimes I like certain things. And I know that sometimes people don't like the things that I like. And if I could create a perfect world and a perfect, like Josh, existence, if I'm left to myself long enough, everything in life would be catered to me. Everybody would love Auburn as a football team. Everybody would like some kind of football. We would appreciate the glorious process of smoking meat and the taste that it gives. Like, every, like it, Josh's world would be, like, but, but here's what I know. Not everybody likes Josh's idea of how the world's supposed to work because you got your own ideas too, right? We all have things that we like and don't like, and sometimes those things that we like and we don't like can interfere in the bigger mission of what we're called to do as a church. Like, for instance, if I was going to say um, I like stuff, like if I were going to say I like chocolate cake, how many of you are here today who say I love chocolate cake? Yeah. So if I were going to say I love chocolate cake, you guys would say what? You'd say me too, right? So I love chocolate cake. Me too. Yeah. Now, some of y'all don't like chocolate cake. I don't understand that. I don't understand that at all. My birthday's coming up, and I want, like, chocolate cake with chocolate icing, with chocolate set around it, with a nice cup of hot coffee. Son, that would be happy birthday to me. That'd just be so great. I would love it because I love chocolate cake. You know, I like other stuff, too. Like, if I was going to say this, if I could say this statement, how many of y'all would say me, too? I, I could use a vacation right now. I could use a vacation. Absolutely. We could all use it. I heard a me too. Somebody meant it when they said it. I, I could use a vacation right now. Uh, how about this one? I don't like paying taxes. I do not like. See, me too. Y'all are catching on to this. I hate paying taxes. I can't wait till we all get to heaven because there ain't going to be no more of this pay taxes stuff. It's going to be done. It's over with. The IRS, gone. It's going to be great. It's going to be great because I hate paying taxes. The other thing that in my world that I would say, I don't know if y'all would agree with this or not, but I think the Marvel Universe is better than the, D the DC Universe. <laughs> I think I love Marvel movies. I think DC is giving it a good effort, but man, they're just too dark. They're just like, they're not getting the rhythm, you know? I, I, Iron Man, Thor, give me all of that. I love that. I think the Marvel Universe is a whole lot better. Shout out to all my comic book nerds out there. Yeah. I feel it. I feel it. I feel the love. Um, I'd also say this. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. 
I love Jesus with all my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength. He's everything, everything in my life. And because I love Jesus, I can say this. I love my church. I love my church. See, now y'all should have just shouted the walls down on those two. Y'all got a little quiet. We're going to back up and do this one more time. I love Jesus. And I love my church. See, I'll take that. I'll follow it away. I'll forget about the first response. I love my church. I love what God is doing. I love what he's doing in my life. I love what he's doing in your life. I love how he's, he's shaping us and growing us together. And, and I love the opportunities that he's opening up for our church to be involved in what's happening in the cities and to be able to impact lives in our communities. I love it. But if I'm being 100% honest, though, I got to say this. Sometimes, sometimes I can be selfish. See, I started looking at the floor and looking at the ceiling. I love Jesus. I love church. That's right. That's right. Sometimes I can be selfish. Oh, what time is it? I was looking at that. I just see. Sometimes I can be selfish. Like we got this thing. We got this thing in our house. My relationship with me and Kelly. I don't quite understand. And it started when we were dating. We go somewhere and um, we go out to eat or. You know, get a burger and a fries. And when we first started dating, we didn't have no money. So we, we, would, we still don't have a lot of money. It's not much change. At least we love each other, right? Um, so we would go out and we would get stuff. And I would, look at, I would look at Kelly and I would say, what do you want to eat? And she would say, I'm not really hungry. I don't want anything. So I'd say, okay, I'm going to order some stuff for me. And being young and not knowing how this really works in a relationship, I didn't know the game at the time. So we sit down, and I start eating and start talking. And then she'd reach over and grab some of my food <laughs> like it was nothing. She'd reach over and grab it, and she's eating. I'm like, what, what just happened? You just reached over, and you grabbed my food. And you started. I, I, didn't, know, I didn't know we were at this level yet. I didn't know how to work. And I noticed over the years, I would get older stuff. No, I don't want anything. And then she started picking at mine. I was like, look, I just asked you if you wanted something to eat. And you said, no, I'm fine. I don't want anything. So I got what I wanted. Why are you picking? If you want food, let me know. We can get you some food. We can get you some food. She goes, no, I, I didn't want anything. Then I'll just have some of yours. And I'll be fine. And I'm thinking, no, that's not how this works. Because this is some of mine. There's nothing over here because you didn't want anything. If you wanted something, say you want something. But don't say you want some of mine and just eat some. Because here's what I found out. Just some of mine means like roughly half. And I'm thinking, I, see, I didn't know that. I didn't know that I should have ordered like my plate plus half a plate for you in anticipation of you wanting to pick. I didn't know how that worked. She's sitting there smiling at me because she knows it's true. There's nothing she can say. I'm just going, because that's how it works. But it bothered the mess out of me because I wanted my food. And I don't mind getting you your own food, but if you want to take my food, like, that's a personal thing, man. Like, I'll give my life for you. I will pull out a sword and die on a hill, but order your own dang food. You know what I mean? Order your own food. So to work, I had to work through that. I didn't realize how that worked. And I was getting kind of aggravated because I'm selfish sometimes. And I want my own food. Yesterday, I was watching football. 
And my little three-year-old came in the room and showed me again how selfish I can be sometimes. Like, I was, I was hanging out. Like, Kelly and I went to Texas this past week. Love it. We did this whirlwind trip where we left Sunday after service, hopped in a car, drove to Texas, went to a conference for a couple of days, hopped back in a car, drove back from Texas because we were crazy and thought we were like 25 again and thought that'd be, that'd be fine. I still am tired from the trip. I'll probably, I'll probably catch up from it like about Tuesday. But on the trip on the way back, we stopped at this place called Bucky's. Now, if you don't know about Bucky's, look, you're missing out on life. I know y'all didn't show up to church on Sunday to hear about Bucky's, but since you're here and I got the mic, I'll tell you about it. Uh, so we went to Bucky's. Bucky's is like this travel center that God designed. <laughs> I eat QT, quick, you know, and, and uh, racetrack, and I you can keep all that. Uh, Love's Pilot, you can keep all that. Bucky's is like they built, I don't even know how to explain it. There's like eight different stores and departments in a Bucky's. There's smoking brisket in Bucky's. Oh, hallelujah. They're, they're, they got all this food going on. And at Bucky's, they sell this little snack called beaver nuggets. Man, y'all have beaver nuggets? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Beaver nuggets. Oh, my gosh. What is it? I don't know how to explain it to you. It's just like golden goodness in a bag, and it's so addictive. I think they put cocaine or crack on it because when you, you try to eat it, like something hits you, and you're like, I love this. I can't stop. Like your arm just involuntarily starts going to the bag and going to your mouth. Like you can't stop eating the stuff. So I loaded up on beaver nuggets, came home, because I had in my mind this great strategy. I'm going to go home. I'm going to watch football on Saturday. I'm going to work hard, get all the stuff done uh, with what I've got with the rest of the week when we get home, and I'm going to watch football and relax Saturday afternoon, and I'm going to eat my beaver nuggets. And here comes my little three-year-old into the room while I'm watching football, which is no big deal. But she saw me eating something, and she goes, what's that? Said, Don't worry about what that is. Daddy's watching football, and Daddy's eating a snack. What's that? So she walked up. Can I have some? And I'm thinking, <sighs> so I said, here, you can have some. Give her one. Here you go. Here's a beaver nugget for you, kid. You have a nice day. Now get out of here. Daddy's watching football. So she took one. She ate it. Chomp, chomp, chomp. Mmm. And my, like my kid will bust out these words like a three-year-old's not supposed to say. So I said, mmm, Daddy, that's delicious. Can I have another? Please. No, just go find your mom. Yeah. Please. Please. Like I went to default. Find your mom. Leave me alone, please. Here's another beaver nugget. Chomp, chomp, chomp. She climbs up, sits down next to me. <laughs> Tries to reach over to the bag. Like she just stepped, she skipped eight steps of protocol, hopped up and just went straight for the bag. And I'm like, she's just like her mother. <laughs> just hopped right up there, started helping herself to my snacks, eating it. And I'm getting aggravated at my three-year-old. I'm like, kid, we got, we got peanut butter crackers downstairs. We got cheese sticks. We got the little, the little pulley cheese sticks, you know, where you can pull the cheese strings off of them. We got bananas and apples. We got cereal you can have. We got goldfish. Come on, mac and cheese, something. You're going to sit up here and eat my beaver nuggets. <laughs> then I had to get up and go to the bathroom. Oh, no, no, I, I played it safe. I played it smart, so I took my beaver nuggets. 
and I put them up here on a little shelf thing, and then I put them behind something so she couldn't see them. She, she saw me do it, so I, I thought I was safe. If I hurry, it'll be, it'll be all right. Went to the restroom, came back. She had done climbed up onto the shelf thing, grabbed my bag of beaver nuggets. She had it sitting down in between her legs on the couch watching my football game, <laughs> two-fisting the beaver nuggets, just going to town on this. And I'm like, <laughs> and I got mad, and then I remembered, Josh, you can't get mad because you're going to be talking about being selfish in church tomorrow. And you can't be the hypocrite pastor talking to your people about stuff that you're getting mad at. I just, ah, mm. But sometimes I can get selfish with things. Little things, and sometimes I can get selfish over big things. You guys too? Welcome to my world. I'm sorry. Uh, but, But here's what I know. Everyone, everyone gravitates naturally. They naturally gravitate back to selfishness when they take their eyes off Jesus. We naturally do it. It's weird because like the the natural progression of every church is to become inwardly focused. That's because we do it naturally as people. We naturally like to go back to having the world rotate around us and the universe move around us if we don't keep it in check with our relationship with God. And Jesus knew this. He knew how we worked and he knew how this was going to play out. This is why when... This is why he put this verse in the Bible. Uh, in, in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, says this. He, he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. He knew there was going to be something inside of us that was going to be resistant to what God wanted to do in and through us. He knew this stuff called flesh was going to be a problem when it came to serving him. He knew that our own desires and our own agendas and our own preferences were going to hinder the greater mission of reaching the world because if we have our way, if we go without being checked long enough, we'll expect all of this stuff to point inwardly toward us. And Jesus says, no, 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 it can't be about that. If you want to follow me and you want to be about my disciple, it can't be about you anymore. I could almost say awesome to this, except he put in there that we have to take up our cross daily. Daily. That means I got to die every day. That means I got to put my will and my desires on that cross every day. Now, selfish Josh doesn't like that. And probably selfish you doesn't like that either. Daily. Daily, we have to die. Daily, we have to pick up that cross. Daily, we have to deny ourselves. Because if we let ourselves go unchecked, there's something inside of us that will resist. There's something inside of us that will push back against what God wants to do. There's something inside of us that's in conflict constantly. And if we don't take that part of us, that old nature, and put it where it belongs, it will dominate our lives. Like kudzu ain't got nothing on selfishness. Selfishness will spread at the drop of a hat. You skip one day. You can't even afford to skip a day. You can't skip a week or even a month without putting this stuff in check because it will permeate your entire life and you'll find yourself getting aggravated at your three-year-old because she wants some beaver nuggets. You'll find yourself getting aggravated at silly things that don't matter. You'll find yourself missing the greater mission that God has called us to as a church. And you'll find yourself missing out on the calling that God's put on your life 
because it can't be about us and Jesus at the same time. Can't. Can't be about us and Jesus at the same time. He doesn't share that throne in our heart with anybody. It's all me or it's all you, but it's not going to be a little bit of me and a whole lot of you. I want complete control. See, most of the time we get real excited when we talk about Jesus being our Lord and our Savior. We love the Savior part, but sometimes we have problems with that Lord part. Because he wants complete control. God, please forgive me of my sins. That's awesome. I'll forgive you of your sins. But that stuff called self is going to have to go over here because once you step in and receive my forgiveness and I've set you free, I'm setting you free to a beautiful calling of purpose and passion for your life. And you can't get there if you're bringing all of this with you. That's got to go. Your agenda, your preferences have to go and you have to put yourself under my leading and under my lordship. Sometimes people have, have trouble with that. Uh, Paul did a little bit, and Paul wrote down his process in Galatians chapter 2. He said this, he goes, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, I crucify myself, I'm gone. This isn't about me anymore. Everybody say that, it's not about me. It's not about me anymore. This is about what I can do to be the person that God has called me to be and do what God has called me to do. Jesus isn't down with saving, or or he isn't down with sharing that part of your heart. He wants all of it. Everybody say all. All. He wants all of your heart. He wants all of your heart, complete control. And when he enters into a relationship with you, he wants a complete control committed relationship. Jesus isn't down with being friends with benefits. He's not down with being friends with benefits. He's not down. He wants a completed, he wants a committed relationship with you. Jesus doesn't want that, Lord, please forgive me late night booty call. He wants a complete relationship with you. He wants a committed relationship with with you. And when you get that and you get yourself out of the way, you can enter into a beautiful relationship with Jesus. Um, Because this is what I've noticed. When our heart belongs to Jesus, we love what Jesus loves. When our heart belongs to Jesus, we love what Jesus loves. When I surrender my heart completely to Jesus, now I begin to see things in my life that weren't there previously because he's working on me and he's changing me from the inside out. Now I'm seeing the fruit of the Spirit beginning to play out in my life. What is that? That Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control begins to flow out of me when he's at that place in my life. When Jesus is in on that place in my life and, and my heart belongs to him, then I notice the things that I love begin to line up with the things that Jesus loved. And it was really easy to see what Jesus loved when he was on this earth. It was really easy. Luke 19. Jesus gives his mission. He says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus' heart was to bring glory to his Father and to seek and save the lost. And that's what he did. He said, in everything that he did on this earth, it all revolved around that. Whether he was talking to a woman at the well, 
whether he was ministering to the woman who was caught in adultery, whether he was calling his disciples that happened to be a tax collector and then went to a party with a whole bunch of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus was all about reaching the lost, everything that he did. And when we have the heart of Jesus, we begin to see our heart change to reach the lost because we realize that this stuff here called church isn't all about me. It's about the ones that we can reach. Are you hearing me this morning? In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus said this. He said, go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. See, when he was here on this earth, he modeled his heart in ministry. And then he turned around and spoke to his disciples and spoke to the church. And he said, listen, I've modeled it. I've shown you. Now I want my mission to become your mission. I want my heart to be your heart. And I want you to go and reach those that I have gone and reached in my time here. Go and reach the lost. Go and make disciples of all creation. In, in, uh, in, in Acts, he, he, called us, he told us that we were to be witnesses to all creations. That's what he said. When you look at the early church in Acts chapter 2, verse 46 uh, and, and 47, it said, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Look at this line right here. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They were meeting together. They were having studies together. They were having fellowships together. They were hanging out in each other's homes. But they didn't lose sight of the mission of the church, and that was to seek and save those that were lost. And if we want to be a church that follows the pattern of the early church, we have to be a church that realizes that all this stuff is awesome and it can benefit us, but at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's about the ones that we can reach in this community. It's about the family members that we have. It's about the people that we work with. It's about the people that we can show the love of God to. Jesus, every time, every time, he loved them, he met a need, and he impacted their lives. He loved them, he met a need, and he impacted their lives. He loved all, and he served all, and he impacted lives. And that's where we want to be as a church. Amen? All right. Problem is this. When we're selfish, we become consumers and not contributors to the mission. And church becomes about what we get from it and not who we reach for Jesus. That's a little too quiet. There should have been a whole lot of amens on that right there. Let me read this again. When we're selfish, we become consumers and not contributors to the mission. Church becomes about what we get from it, not who we reach for Jesus. We got to be careful that we don't go here as a church. We cannot be selfish as a church. We've got to make sure that our focus is Jesus' focus, and that's reaching the lost. Yes, we should have awesome worship. Yes, we should have great discipleship. Yes, 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 we should have great ministries for our family. That's all part of it. But we can't get to the place where we fall into the trap of thinking that all this stuff exists for our entertainment and our fulfillment. In the beginning, yes. 
But once you've, once you've accepted Jesus and you grow a little bit and you get your feet underneath you, listen, it's time to get about the mission of the church. It's time to follow the leading. Uh, it's time to follow the example of Jesus and do what he did and have a heart for the ones that he had a heart for. Now, it's impossible to do that, though, if we've got self on the throne of our heart. See, sometimes, can we just talk, just be us, and whoever's listening on the podcast this week, just be us talking. A lot of times what we like to do in church world is we like to take our selfishness and we like to spiritualize it. We like to spiritualize it. And so um, we, throw out, we throw out great phrases. Pastors pick up on these things over time. You, you hear things, well, I'm just, I'm just not being fed at XYZ church, whatever. You know? I'm just not being fed at that church. Um, I don't think we have that. I haven't heard any of that here, but just in, it's just, you know, in general, not being fed at that church. Let me ask you something. Since when, listen to me now, since when was it any church's job to feed you spiritually and take the place of your own personal relationship with Jesus? That's too much weight for any pastor to carry. You're supposed to show up once a week having not prayed, freaking out because of what's happening in your life, got all the drama, got all the problems rolling here, and I'm supposed to wave my magic hand and cure everything that's going on in your life in one session, and if I don't, you're not getting fed? Are you freaking kidding me? That doesn't work. You've got to have your own relationship with Jesus. I'm not being, uh, uh, uh. open up the word of God and let the spirit of God begin to speak to you. Get fed on your own. Now, I get you should be challenged. I get you should be equipped. I get that I should study, prepare, and whoever's up here should bring you a fresh word from the throne of God, and it should impact and change your life, and there should be some good meat in it. There should be some good teaching about it. There should be some substance about it. I get that, but at the end of the day, it's not my job to carry your relationship with God. That's on you as a child of God. Well, I just don't like that. I just, I didn't. Mm-mm. Usually, usually it goes a little bit deeper than that. Well, I just, I can't worship to the style of music that goes on at XYZ Church. It's just not my thing. I just, I just can't click with it. Man, since when did worshiping God ever become about styles? Since when did worshiping God ever become about styles. Now I get having a preference in music, but if we're not careful, we'll let selfishness form our opinion of what a church should be. And a church, for me, is going to play the music that I like all the time. And if they don't, I'm going to come up to the worship leader and say, hey, this is awesome. You know, that's just, that one song, that just doesn't sit right in my spirit because we over-spiritualize our selfishness sometimes. You know, I just, I just, I just, I just, I just, I just, man, you could put me out in the field with a rock and a stick, and I'll be on that rock and a stick, and I'll worship God with all my heart. Put me on a beach and let the waves come in, and that'll be my music, because I don't need anything to connect with the throne room of God and get in the presence of God, because I know it's not about music, and it's not about styles, and my God, it surely is not about me. Worship is all about Him. It's lifting up His name. If we came in here on a Sunday morning and didn't play one note on an 
instrument and just walked up here and said, everybody, let's worship God because of what he's done in our lives. If he never does another thing, he died and paid the price for our sins. It's not about us. It's all about him. We should worship him with everything. Not get caught up in our preferences. Church world does that so many times, and I just, just crazy. I don't like the wood backdrop. Why, why doesn't the church have a cross in it? We didn't want a church on the back, or a cross on the backdrop. So we didn't put one there. And you know what? Everybody sleeps just fine, I'm sure, because there's no cross up there. Because it's not about us. Amen? Everybody say that. It's not about me. Not about me. It's all about who we reach. It's about who we reach. You know, uh, people lose their minds in churches. So, so many crazy things. Uh, if a church wants to change its name. So we'll change, the church will change its name from, you know, uh, church uh, getting, it, getting it on for God to, um, to church of getting it done for God. And that's the thing. We didn't like getting it on because that sounded a little weird, so we're going to call it getting it done for God. That's going to be our church name for now. Gonna be, we're going to church of getting it done for God. And so everybody then has to have an opinion on the church name at that point. None of the ministry changed at the church. None of the preaching changed. The style didn't change. It's just the name of the church changed. People get crazy about that. Color schemes, you know. People get crazy about stuff that just doesn't matter because a lot of times we like to be selfish and we like things to fit in the box of our preference. And if we want to reach the people in our community as a church, we can't let that happen to us. Because there are going to be style changes in our church over the years. There will be changes in style in the music. There will be changes in style and presentations as the years go. You know why? Because culture changes. Society changes. And not every fish bites on the same lure all the time. You've got to change it up. If we want to be fishers of men, we've got to change it up. Amen? So, so all that stuff will be coming. And when it does, we can't be selfish about it. Because it's not about us. It's about the people we're trying to reach. Amen? Yeah. All right. Love you guys. Um, here's a question that I ask myself pretty regularly because it keeps me in check. And it helps me know if my focus is where it needs to be. Because it's real easy sometimes to come in and get excited and say amen you know, to, to a dude like me who's saying what I'm saying this morning. But this question right here. Changes everything. Who have I loved enough lately to try to reach them for Jesus? Who have I loved enough lately to try to reach for Jesus? Because here's what I know. In my life, if Josh is on the throne of Josh's heart, I don't even think about this. I get focused on my problems. I get focused on my bills. I get focused on my drama. I get focused on all the little issues. And this right here, I'll come to church and, and, and worship and all of that. But, but when I let myself become selfish, this right here, this right here is not even on my radar. But when Jesus is in that place in my heart that he's supposed to be, and I kick my selfishness out, and I crucify my flesh, and I die to myself, and I get the heart of Jesus, in me and I become closer to him and I'm walking more in his presence and I'm seeing his fruit bear out in my life 
I capture that heart and that passion that he has for the lost. And I find myself just naturally reaching out to people. And I, and, and I deal with the drama and I deal with the bills and I handle the work and I do what needs to be done. But this right here is something that begins to burn inside of me that I can't get rid of. So let me ask you this question again. Who, who have I loved? Who have you loved enough lately to try to reach them for Jesus. Because this is what I know. If we have the heart of Jesus, this is going to be a reality in our lives. And if this isn't a reality in our lives, then one of two things has happened. One, either you have not had a genuine salvation experience, and church is just something that you come to, and you have no relationship with Jesus, or selfishness, has taken over that throne in your heart. Because it is impossible for Jesus to be Savior and Lord of your life and have the place in his heart that he is supposed to have and that right there not become something that flows out of you. It's impossible. It's impossible. Everybody take a breath. <sighs> Pastor Josh, that was pretty hard right there. You just said, I might not be saved. if I. Yeah, I did because it's impossible. You got to, you'll, you'll bear the fruit. An apple tree is always going to bear what? A Christian is always. As someone who's had an experience with Jesus genuinely and authentically is going to bear the fruit of that life change in their lives. So if this isn't on our radar consistently, then we've got to go back and say, wow, have I really, have I really entered into a relationship with Jesus? And if I have, Am I letting my self-will and my desires dictate my life instead of putting myself where I need to be and letting God be in control of my life? Good questions to ask this morning. Good questions to ask this morning. Why? Because of numbers like this. This is why this stuff matters. This is why I talk about this regularly in our church. Because I want to see People know the Jesus that I know. I want to see God impact and change their lives like he's impacted and changed. Because I can't, I can't speak for you. I don't know what he's done in your life, but I know what he's done in my life. And I know what he's forgiven me of. And I know what he set me free from. And I know what that person I used to be looked like. And I know what he's done and how he's changed me. And I want everyone to have the opportunity to know him the way that I do we live in a world where approximately one million teenage girls in America will become pregnant this year. 350,000 of them will choose to have an abortion. Students, 9th through 12th grade, there are 3,470 suicide attempts each day in the U.S. Now stay on that for just a second. Not a year, not a month, each day. In the U.S. If that doesn't scream help, I don't know what does. That's why we, we put such a focus on our children and our student ministries here at this church. That's why we're going to be taking up a next generation offering at Family Sunday next week. So that we can see these ministries provided for and taken care of. Because of numbers like that. If we don't reach them, who's going to reach them? If we have a sign over us that says we're the church but we're not actually the church. Come on guys, we've got to get the message and the practical outreach together. Amen? we got a country that desperately needs Jesus. Look at this next one. Look at this next one. 
in the state of Georgia, five, these are approximate numbers because I don't know if there's any way to know the exact number, but approximately 5.8 million people are unchurched in the state of Georgia. Our church. Our church. We're going to bring it in a little bit closer now. In, in the counties of Douglas, Paulden, and Carroll County, 240,000 unchurched people just around us. Most of the people that come to our church come from Douglas, Paulding, or Carroll counties. 240,000. In Douglasville alone, Douglas County alone, 83,000 unchurched people. There's a need for the gospel. There's a need for the mission of the church. And you know why all of these churches around here that we have in Douglas, Paulding, and Carroll County, some of them are doing awesome. Some of them are doing great. Some of them have an amazing heart to reach their community, and I praise God for them, and I can't wait till we can partner with them and collaborate on how we can all work together to reach our communities. But there's a church on almost every corner around here because we've gotten really good at churches and church world and putting up a sign but not practicing and giving need. When people need it. These, if every church did its part, these numbers wouldn't be this big. And here's what I know. At LifePoint Church, we're called to do our part. We're called to do our part. Why does it matter? Here's why. I know this is a heavier message today, and I know that you guys would have much more preferred me to get you up and jumping and shouting like we normally do and having a lot of fun. This is what God put on our heart because on my heart, because if we're going to look like the early church, if we're going to follow that model then we need to have that little sentence right there that says, the Lord added to them daily those that were being saved. If we don't have that line at the end of the statement of our church, something's messed up and we've made it all about us and not about them. Revelation chapter 20, I'm just going to read off the screen, guys, says this. This is where this is all going to end up. This is why I wanted to show this to you today. This is why it matters. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is a second death. This next couple of sentences ought to keep us up at night praying for those that we love. So that anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. We got to realize, guys, and, and be reminded sometimes that this is not about us. Because everyone who does not accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, everyone who does not receive the forgiveness that so many of us in here today enjoy, everyone that misses out on that has to spend an eternity in a place called the lake of fire. And they don't get a get out pass. 
They're there. And I don't want anyone to have to go through that. Not when we've got the answer that the world needs. I don't want my family to go there. I don't want my friends to go there. An eternity in a lake of fire separated from God. You don't get out of that. Guys, this is about way more than whether or not we enjoy a service. This is about way more than whether or not we thought it was great teaching. Or the worship was on point. People's lives and eternities are hanging in the balance. And we've got to ask ourselves as a church corporately and as a Christian individually, when people come up and knock on that door, if what we do is going to match what that sign says, because they are desperately in need of help. And we have the answer that they need. That brings everything into focus. This right here. That is why Jesus went to the cross. So that you and I didn't have to endure that. That's why Jesus went to the cross. So that our family wouldn't have to endure that. So that we could be forgiven from the sin that separated us from God. And as a church, we can never get away from that mission. Love people meet a need and watch God impact their lives it's as simple as that you don't have to go to work tomorrow stand up on the break room table and say everybody listen to me I need to tell you something for the next 10 or 15 minutes lives are changed when we show love to people and practically serve them and they see the difference in us and we're able to lead them to Jesus and as a church That's what I want our strategy to be. That we love people, that we meet a need, that we serve, and that we watch God impact the lives of the people that we love. Amen? It works. It works. It works. I got a phone call this past week from from someone that attends church, and they said, hey, Pastor Josh, we're always talking about reaching people. I got something that you might be interested in. I said, okay, what's up? She goes, I know somebody. He's a good guy. And he recently just lost a child. Special needs kid who passed away several months ago. And this guy is hurting from the loss of his kid. And he's working seven days a week. And he's got a mom that's got lupus got a lot of health issues she's behind on her bills she's working she's working and trying to make it right but there's only so much she can do and I found out that she's been taking cold baths and showers because her water heater went out and they hadn't had the extra money and the son just hadn't had the time to be able to get over there and do it and it's been going on for a long time Do you think maybe as a church we could go over and just put in a water heater for somebody, pray over them, just let them know that God loves them? And like, man, I just want to give you a hug and kiss you on the cheek right now. 
That's exactly, that's exactly what I want our church to be about doing. That's exactly what I want our church to be about doing. Get out there in the community and serve and let people know that we love them because God loves them. And let him impact their lives. I said, yeah, that sounds great. So he said, okay, it's cool. Here's the guy's number. I called the guy, talked to him, said, hey, I'd like to come over and meet you guys and see what's going on. See the water heater, hear your story. I went over there and I met with him and his mom, talked to him. He just started opening up. He he started letting all the hurt out from the loss of his child, everything that he'd been through. Struggles with trying to take care of his mom and feeling guilty because he wasn't able to do everything to take care of his family like he wanted to be able to do. And he said, man, thank you guys so much for even being willing to come out here and look at this. I just can't believe that that anybody or, or, or a church would want, want to come and, and help us. I said, man, this is what we do. We're the body of Christ. And this is what we do to show love to people. And I want you to know that Jesus loves you. He busted out into tears. He said, it's been a long time since I've been to church. And I said, I bet there's a reason why you left. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty messed up. I said, I don't even know anything else. He said, your story's probably like my story because I went through a season two where I was just done with church because of some jacked up stuff. I get it. I get it. And I was able to pray with a guy and minister to him and invite him to church. He's like, absolutely, I'm going to be at church. So look, man, even if you don't come to our church, I want you to go to a church where you feel like you can connect and you can grow. And so later this week, me and, and a couple of people from our church are going to go out to this house. We're going to put in a water heater. We're going to run the electrical to it and do all the plumbing and help this family out just because, just because we love them. Because you love people, you meet a need, and you watch God impact their lives. That's what I want our heart as a church to be. We love people, we meet a need, and we watch God impact their lives. Now, that's something we're going to do as a church to bless that family and watch God impact them. I think that's awesome. Amen? That's the way the church is supposed to work. Can we praise God for that? That's awesome. That's what we're going to do. When you give in offerings, that's what we're giving to, not just the functionality of a building, but so we can go and watch God impact the lives of people. Whether it's something small like we're going to do this week or a huge community event or outreach. But we can't just think that it's all going to happen in an organized way through the church. You see, when we all catch that heart and we all see the opportunity to serve and love. When we love all and serve all, like a lot of us have on the shirt that we're wearing today. When we really love all and serve all is a mission of our life following the model that Jesus gave us and following the model of the early church. That's when the fun stuff starts to happen. That's when you get to see that line and the Lord added to them daily those who are being saved. As a pastor, I can only reach so many. As a church, there is no limit to what God can do in and through our lives. If we all get on the same page and jump all in and love all and serve all. Amen.